observations about the, the sharing this morning and about our field. Um, what we're trying to do is create a field for soul initiation. And that requires, in order to even play that game, the ticket to that game is married people. So, um, and, and what I mean by that is someone who can sit behind their duality rather than be in one. And this is the fourth training, so the fourth ray is all about that. It's all about how to actually sit behind your duality, but in order to do that, you actually have to realize that you're in one. And the identity that's in duality can't be the celebrant at your wedding. Okay, so the, the most difficult thing about really both the spiritual and sexual path is the self that embarks upon it has to die because that self is the self that's embedded in duality. And, um, you know, the, the smartest self that we can get is the one that realizes it's embedded in duality and goes on the journey to freedom. The, the other selves are so ignorant that they're in the, in the duality and they think they are it, and so until they suffer enough, they won't awaken the seeker self. So many people out there just have never awakened the seeker self. They're just in their identity. They think they are their stock portfolio or their emotional or whatever it is, and they're relatively happy in that place. Fine. But those people who have you know, started the journey to their own liberation have awoken the seeker self which is that self that has become aware that it is embedded in duality and that it doesn't like it and that it would like to be free. But then that's a new self. And this is what I call the spiritual imposter. Really, it's the self that kind of learns the language of freedom and, and you know, starts to get the ideas of it and starts to go on the journey. But it is the last obstacle. Right? It's like it's the boat that you use to cross the great ocean but when you get to the other side, you don't need the boat. So the most difficult part is that last identity, which is the identity that is designed to take you to the void, is the identity that is often hard to let go of. So, for example, you know, the masculine side of us can decide, I'm going for freedom, but it can never get there without the full feminine. No, no self embedded in the will of duality can get free. It can only get free in the center by meeting its opposite, collapsing, and, and poof, you're free. So all of this work of, of working with duality is to produce what I call married people. And married people can't really play that much with single people unless they're teaching them, okay? Because... Single people are playing the game of still thinking that there's another single person, that together they can make a whole person. Because your identity is lost in duality, and so your duality is looking for the other half so that it can become whole. But even if you became whole, you wouldn't get free because that wholeness is partial. It's in the world of form. A married person is someone who realizes, as we're starting to emerge in the sharing, that there is no safety, there is no other that actually the freedom already is inherently inside of us, inside of identity, and all it requires is identity to come to that place where it can surrender. And, this, and so it's kind of like the masculine pole of duality, and the feminine pole is you give up looking for love and realize you are love. After a great betrayal of the one love that 
was going to be there, then you fall back into, oh my God, I already was love. Same with freedom. Oh my God, I already was free. But the self is not the loving one, and the self is not the freedom. It's freedom from self, and the love that happens when self disappears. You would find yourself, you would to lose yourself. You lose yourself to find yourself. So love dissolves the self, and freedom electrifies the self. Either way, the self is toast. So that's the most difficult part, because it's the self that is the one that goes on the journey and learns all of the techniques and figures it all out and knows the way, and then, but that self actually is your last self. So in order to play the game of soul initiation, you need to be souls, which means you have to be stars to orbit the center of the galaxy. You can't be planets. Planets are still looking for other planets. To become a sun, to become a star, you have to be self-propelled from the core of your own being and touch with the nuclear force of love and freedom inside you, which is pouring into the world through you, and you are that. And then you can play together around the center and allow the center to dance us without a sense of a loss of self. Because it's the ego that will always defend. It's like, and you know, part of the boundaries thing is like, yes, healthy boundaries to get us to the point where we can dissolve our boundaries. So psychology goes slowly through these selves until we are willing and we give our consent to release of the selves that we've been carrying. And then in a group like this, you start to have these energies of polarity balancing. So there was a beautiful expression this morning of Leo and Aquarius, right? Of Turaj and Luke, just to name two. So here's two energies in the field, opposite poles. One is holding the energy for heart. The other is holding the energy for service. So their shares were an expression of that polarity starting to emerge in the group field. Everything is oracle. Everything is archetypal, right? So when we are just truly ourselves and we're just operating ourselves, we don't have to understand it, magic starts to happen. And just on the magic and joy, actually some of the books that were part of this um, you know, curriculum, if you want to get into more mind, either now or later, one of them is a treatise on white magic, which is the rules for magic. So if you need to, to have more understanding, there's lots of materials for you. So, heart and service, the whole essence for a married person to be able to play the game of the void is you've got to be your own star, which means you're sourced from within. You're not getting your light from somewhere else, like a planet is getting its light from the sun. To be sourced from within means you have a sense of yourself and of holding yourself and not abandoning yourself no matter what happens around you. That's what makes a star. So if long as the environment around you and people around you are stopping you emerging, or you feel like they're stopping you emerging, you can't really play the game of soul. Because what you're trying to do is modify your world by changing your environment, changing your relationships, you know, learning something new in order to one day be safe enough to come out. But a star just decides, fuck it, I'm coming out. I'm coming out, I'm giving myself permission to do that, I am a divine child of the universe, it's my imperative to shine, 
You may feel like someone just threw up in your bathtub, or you may be amazed at me, but it doesn't actually matter to me because the shining is not dependent upon the reaction to the shining. The shining is coming because you cannot not shine. That you have become that self which shines. So now you're a star. Now you can play around the void. Until you're a star, you can't play around the void because your sense of self is so vulnerable that the, the annihilation that the void brings is too threatening to the core of your being. And you are still needing and wanting to play in a safe container that someone else creates with a sun that somebody else is shining and showing you the way so that your planet can feel safe. Okay, so one of the doorways into sonship is radical self-responsibility. Show up for yourself and to trust your own shining. So you could be a red dwarf or you could be a bright Syrian you know, star. It doesn't matter. It's what, whatever is your shine. And then you can actually play in group without that sense of me and them. Up until that time, the self is fragile, and so it needs constant reassuring. And it feels like it either needs to dominate the group or leave the group or somehow control the group so it feels safe. After that point of emergence, then the soul is like, it knows that it's safe, and it knows that it's safe in group. And then you begin to balance Leo and Aquarius. And what Leo is, is I, I am, I am me, you know, I'm, and, but I am me as a soul, as a star, I am me, and you can't threaten me by being you, because you also are a star. And so I don't need to compare myself to you, because I am me. So that sense of, me, of healthy divine pride, it's the divine pride of Leo that says, my shining is of value to the universe, whether the universe is honoring it or not. And my shining doesn't necessarily mean I have to get up and speak, because I can shine sitting there quietly. Like, my shining has got nothing to do with whether or not I'm playing the power dynamics of who gets attention or whatever in families or groups. My shining is self-evident into my world around me just by my being, because it's pouring through the core of my heart. So then, how do I play Aquarius, the other pole? Like, how do I play service? And the Piscean idea of service is kind of martyrdom. Like, I have this self that wants to serve, so if I give up the self by pushing hard against the selfish parts of me, then I can force myself to serve. And I will be, you know, beautiful examples of it, the old lady making tea at the PTA, you know? Yeah. And she's selfless service, but underneath, she's a bit pissed, right? <laughs> or, or the, you know, the, the, the person who's, who's like ideologically driven to the idea of service. So it's all like fake it till you make it, which is great, but there's parts in them, the selfish parts in them, that are screaming. But the self, the service of Aquarius that comes from a sun is the thrill of the void, the thrill of not existing. It's the thrill that Turags was talking about this morning, of, oh my God, I am the love that's moving between you. I am the waters that are flowing between everyone. And for a moment, I wasn't even aware of me. And that feels way better than being the one doing the serving. Right? Because you are the service. 
And the service is not about inflating you or diminishing you or like you don't exist because you are the love that's moving through the whole field. You are simultaneously yourself and the field. So you're now be starting to move beyond the duality of Leo and Aquarius, which is the duality of giving up myself for the sake of others, for the world, for or fuck the world, I've got to look after myself. Or have I done enough self-love? And then, oh, I can do service on Sunday. And all of the duality between self and others that makes us feel guilty and contracted and afraid, and that's all another duality. And when you can genuinely come into a soul field, each person's shining is recognized as that. It isn't martyrdom. It isn't whipping. It's the spontaneous outflow of a heart and of a love that recognizes simultaneously itself and its own value and the fact that we're embedded in an ecosystem of souls and that we work better together. We need each other to shine to make a galaxy. So all of that stuff of competition and sibling rivalry and, you know, sense of superiority and inferiority and inclusion and exclusion and something, that all belongs in the realm of planets. It all belongs in the realm of getting enough self-esteem and enough sense of yourself and enough sense of the fact that yourself is an illusion, that it's actually just a parking point for universal awareness, you know, for a moment in time. Enough sense of that to thrillingly give yourself to life and to any environment and any situation that you're in, knowing that you're self-sourced. And that's a huge act of courage, but it's a division between body-mind world and soul world. So the body-mind can't figure out how to play the soul game, okay? Because the body-mind is really good at being clever. And it figures out, well, if there's a new game, I, have, I can figure out how to play it. Like, I've figured out all of this other shit, you know? I've, I must be able to figure this out. But then the game says, yeah, you can figure it out, you just need to die. That's the figuring it out. And the body knows, is there anyone else that would like a second opinion? Like, is there another way to play this game? No, there isn't another way to play this game. Thank you, body-mind, for getting to the event horizon of the game, but you actually can't play the game. You are the one that has to fold your cards in order to play the game. So that's the, that's the hard part of the first three weeks. Like the maneuverings of the parts of ourselves that are still like, oh, really, really, really? Oh, okay. Something is emerging through me rather than me learning a new clever trick. And so all I can do is really feel into the circumstances that allow what's moving through me to move through me more fully and start to play in an environment where others are doing the same thing. And then we're kind of like a nursery for soul expression and soul emergence in the world. And then from that, we can take that out and hold that center in the face of whatever is going on around us. So when we are beginning to share, and this mandala is our initiation mandala, and the initiation is not because someone, <coughs> me or some invisible person is initiating you, it's because we self-initiate as group because the power of us coming together with collective intent and collective emergence is way more powerful than us individually. We create a field. So if you know that you are the star, your own unique star, and the galaxy, then you've got Leo and Aquarius. Okay, but you have to be the galaxy too. 
If you're just preoccupied with being the star, then you're preoccupied with your shining and you're trying to figure out when to shine and when is your turn to shine. And, but if you are also the galaxy, you know because you call yourself, you call yourself into the center. And we can begin to feel it because we start to feel the field and when someone speaks in the middle, it's us because our galaxy self recognizes one of our stars. And then we start to not give ourselves any more attention than we would give every other star. When it's time to shine, it's your time to shine. So that's how you create a group field. If you don't do it as married people, then basically you get everything that's going on in the world. You get, you get the idea of consensus and the idea of the Aquarian age and the idea of everyone being important without the capacity to play the game. It's just a mess of immature people seeking to create an ideology just like the mess of trying to serve when you're really a selfish motherfucker and you don't want to serve but you're trying to you know so the letting go and allowing soul and allowing soul to shine and allowing yourself to begin to see every other person here as an expression of you and that whatever is moving in them whatever delight is coming through them whatever shining is coming through them is something that you're in celebration of because it's you. Then you start to feel whose turn is it to speak in the circle. And when somebody's standing in the middle instead of sitting there and wondering when it's, what's the relationship between you and them, that's the part of you that's standing there. And then we give each other our energetic support, not just our presence here, but our presence through each other. We penetrate each other with our presence. All of our auras interpenetrate, and so we have this one powerful vibrating field so that each person that stands in the middle is for a moment their best possible self. Their best possible self. And that's initiation. You know, if you are a pot maker or whatever, you shape clay into a pot and then you put it in the fucking kiln to fire it. So what we'll be doing, you know, to graduating it here is in mandala, firing our pots, firing the pots of our soul, this new thing that's forming. And you do that in the fire of group holding. And as long as you're in the planet game, then it's more like, well, I'm my planet, you're my planet, I'm in it for me, I'm in it for you. If you're in the sun game, then each person who stands in the center is standing there reinforced by every other star in the galaxy. The energy that they can move through them is way more powerful than they can do alone. And you can feel the difference between standing in the middle of a group that's holding you and standing in the middle out there in the world. Public speaking is one of the greatest fears, um, greater than the fear of death, evidently. And that's not because, oh my God, what am I going to say? It's being truly authentic, yourself, your deep, vulnerable self, not the polished public speaker, but the standing and being vulnerable with who you really are in front of others. Um, is scary. And the reason it's scary is because many of the, most of the people in the audience are planets and they are sitting there judging the fuck out of you. And energy follows thought. And whatever's going on inside their mind is impacting you energetically. So you are standing there having to push against all of the judgment, all of the... I could do that better. Oh, this is so boring. Oh, you know, all of that stuff is coming at you as energy arrows. 
And you are having to meet that with your own belief in yourself, your own sourcing of yourself, your own bringing your consciousness back from how others are judging you and bringing it into yourself and knowing that this is what you are and who you stand for and, and it doesn't matter how you're judged. Okay, so that's why it's so hard to go out in the world and be a soul because the world's full of planets and planets are immature beings who still think that their safety and security and their comes from actually running down other planets and playing that whole game. But if you truly stand in a soul field and when you stand up and you're going for your core, every other being in that field is cheering you on. Every other being wants that same thing for themselves. They want you to fucking show up at the deepest part that you are. Not the way they think you should. Not the way according to some rules or structure or whatever. Because you're sourcing it from the core of your being. And they're trying to do that too. And so they're, fuck yes. Every time you step into that place and you become more real, some part in them warms with you. So now you have the opposite of what you have out there in the world. You have a field that supports your soul. It's so fucking rare to have that. So that's what we do in the last three weeks, is that we stand in that field, and we grow our capacity to fucking show up as a soul, and we diminish the self that would be aware of other people and think we're in a field that will run us down. We celebrate being in that field. And then when we go out into the world... We have lodged in us a power and an experience and a reference point that means you can stand up anywhere and self-source yourself. And not only that, these bonds of connection and support transcend time and space. So you're standing in Israel in the middle of your mandala or you're somewhere else. The rest of us are here. And we've established lines of connection with each other that our souls will recognize and follow and feel in the inner worlds. So then no one ever stands alone. Because the deep truth is, nobody is. It's just our illusion that we are anyway. But we have a deep reference point. So the encouragement as we go into the wedding and then go through that into next week is start to really give yourself to the field if you want to play the galaxy game. And give yourself to each other. That you've been through this journey together. And yes, some people are more emerged, some people are more resistant, some people still don't know what's going on, some people, that's okay, that's just a part of us. Like the conscious war yesterday, that's us. Part of us that's like, come on, the part of us that's like, I can't, that's us. And when you accept that and we accept each other, then we move past all of the discord and the friction of the first few weeks and we move into deep love together. The love of people who know they're with other souls emerging and maybe they've lost it in this moment, but they'll come back in the next moment. So we become a field of growth and support for each other's souls. And the beauty of that is then we're not just playing, you know, ourself and the other. We're a microcosm for something that's going on in the outer world as well. So archetypal energies can dance through us and teach us how to be in a much more accelerated way than if we were just here for us. So I just wanted to open up a little bit of the, the, the door of where we're going through in the marriage ceremony. It's not just about, you know, like, oh, I'm going to marry my masculine and feminine. It's the ticket to play. Three weeks of getting us to, the, to, to begin the game. 
And that game is, is a game where we show up deeply in our married self, in the part of us that's beyond these dualities. And then we're not looking for the things that single people are looking for, which is some kind of hookup, some kind of reassurance and support and safety and so on from something outside of us that is never really going to come anyway. So that's why it's an immature game. And part of growing up as a soul on the planet, and you could probably argue, again, it was in the war yesterday, you could probably, to me, what's going on on the planet that I feel is that one civilization that's pretty well way past its use by date, people inside that are giving up. What they're doing if they're staying inside that is they're saying, it's too fucking late. We're not going to change. Humanity has been given all of the information it can over long periods of time. We still don't give a shit, actually. We just care about ourselves. And the planet is going to have to like cleanse us or do whatever it is. We can recycle our plastic or whatever, but we know that it doesn't matter. And we know that we're electing Donald Trump and voting for Brexit and so on, because in a Titanic ship that's already hit the fucking iceberg, who cares? Let's just play the game out. Let's just play, and nobody else's. It's not going to matter anymore anyway, so fuck it. That feels like it's what's starting to emerge and will emerge more deeply in the civilization that's going down. In the civilization that's emerging, it's still not visible yet. You can only feel it in the quiet places in your own heart where there's some part of you that's like still has hope. Even if it didn't work, some part of you knows that you were born for this, for this time, for this time of change, and that you have to shine. You have to shine what's in the core of you. And maybe that will create a civilization that is different. And maybe it won't. Maybe you'll go down shining. But all of a sudden, you have life again. You have life force. You have things that in the zombie land are, are dying. That's why people are giving up hope, because the energy is draining away from that civilization. The life force is leaving it. And people are like, fuck it. The energy that I had to try to make things different is gone. So I'm just going to ride. But in what's emerging, more and more life is coming from, for no good reason. Just because you're aligning yourself with the evolutionary current of cosmos that is saying, this is where the action is. And so it only can be played by those who don't need confirmation from their environment for what's moving inside them. And most of us are still half stuck in the old civilization and dependent upon it and half in the new. Like, we're just having that thing at Hyden at the moment. Like, do we pay for insurance? Like, really? You know, it's like, if we really want to insure this for earthquake and, and um, you know, fire, it's 50 grand a year. Even if we just insure the manor for, like, you know, someone burning it down with a candle, you know, so there's one part of the mind that's going, but fuck, that's a big investment. All of these people are putting money in. It's like one careless person could light a candle and the whole fucking thing could go. And like, we shouldn't, sure. And the other part of the mind is like, that whole thing of insurance and, and everything that comes with that, that's part of the world that's going down. And we, you know, we're supported by great allies. of Why are we worried about... So both those things are true, right? You know, like they're both real. And so that's going on inside us every fucking day with every choice that we make. 
What are our values? What do we choose? And what is the risk of us choosing to follow deeply our own heart? What is that risk? And the risk is huge to one part of our being that's been conditioned by culture. The risk is everything. But what is the risk if we don't? What's that risk? So that place of longing in the heart, that place of call, that you don't even know what you're called to yet, that's the place that we share. That's why we're here. So really celebrating that fact, regardless of the fact that your consciousness and your mind will find all kinds of reasons to look around and say, really? Call this fucking tribe? We'll do all of that, because if we're not there yet, all we have is the longing in us to know that we're part of something that we may never see. But if we don't do that, if we don't follow that longing, then we just give up and ride the ship. So that requires sons, requires souls. So what we're doing tonight is we're going into cross-temple time. And cross-temple is a way of really accelerating the same work we did last night and the first night of where are we embedded still? Where are parts of ourselves embedded in the matrix? Where are we embedded in our gender identity and in our mental concepts and our emotional stuff and our sexual stuff? Where are parts of us embedded that are not free to fully shine and fully participate in the world that we, are, we want for ourselves? And rather than do the slow journey of going through many, many relationships, when you're in a field of others who are willing and wanting to give transmission of whatever it is that they've developed, and when you know that actually, if I can also be you, then I don't need to be the you that's walked your journey. I can just receive you now, and I receive the harvest of your whole journey. And I can give you me now, and you receive the harvest of my journey. You don't have to run my through my journey to get my harvest. Not if the soul is willing to give it. Okay, so then we use each other for radical upgrade. Like putting a whole lot of computers together. Instead of like each computer working through its stuff. And you can radically upgrade um, the experience that each of us has had. So that when you stand in the center, you are all of us rather than one of us. Which doesn't mean that we don't have to do our own work anymore. We have to do our own work. And how you know you're in a soul community is you can trust other people to be doing their work. Which means that they will go away from whatever experience that they have and they will strive to integrate their shadow to become more whole, to become more loving, to become more free. You can trust that they're doing that in their room. In a body-mind world, what they're doing in their room is they're getting together and they are running down whatever happened, reassembling themselves, making someone else wrong, making their old self strong again so they can face the next day. That's what you can trust is going on because that's what's going on. You're in a soul culture, you have to start to trust that each person is deeply here for that reason, even if right now they're not. And so then you can challenge them, because if right now they're not, if right now they're acting like a fucking asshole, or right now they're acting like a body mind that's like defensive, and you can remind them, because you know inside them is their soul. That's what brought them here. So you can call them out. 
And then you're not saying um, no to their, their behavior or their body-mind. You're actually saying yes to their soul. In order to say yes to their soul, you have to put the boundary to the behavior, to the experiences that belong in the old civilization that don't belong in what we're creating. And that's our bravery. Our bravery is to, to do that and to have a culture where we do that. So the cross temple is an example, to, is a time to feel into where are those parts of you that still need to be married to become more whole. And instead of doing the long work, do the short work of receiving transmission from your brothers so that, and your sisters so you can anchor them. So many of you will have done this um, that I created for ISTA, but I want to give you a little bit of the, of the esoterics behind it so you kind of understand it a little bit more. In Greek mythology, which I'm going to use because it makes it easier to explain, you, the light and the dark masculine were Mercury and Mars, okay, or Hermes and Aries. So we all have the light masculine. The light masculine is the capacity we have to go to consciousness and the subtle worlds and download them. So if someone's running really good light masculine, they're Mercury, and later on Shakara will show us um, where all our Mercury and Mars and Venuses are located in our charts, but for now just the philosophy. So your Mercury is what you can connect you to the subtle worlds and to cosmos. So Mercury's make really good priests and psychologists, and um, they're the light masculine consciousness that can explain the cosmos to you, and that can get up there into the big picture, download it, and bring it to the heart. Dark masculine, this is the kind of guy that can go and bring home the bacon. So you can go out and penetrate the world, take your desire into the world, get what you want from the world. And of course, you know, there's a lot of development of this in the world. In fact, most of our society is based on that. You know, people in their cars driving down the motorway, focused on their desires, like I'm, I've got my business plan, I've been doing Tony Robbins, I know where my goals are, like I'm, I'm going to achieve. I'm going to achieve my goals in the world. And the trouble is a lot of women who then try to integrate their masculine, they just integrate this masculine. They think that their, their, their masculine is just the bring home the bacon kind of guy, defend you, look after you, um, and then they're exhausted because they haven't developed the light masculine, which is the light masculine is knows your purpose, is connected with cosmos, can run the living current of energy through you so that it effortlessly creates what you need around you rather than the push, go out and get masculine. So integrating both light and dark inside ourselves means, yes, we can penetrate. So, of course, Mars is the cock, right? Mars penetrates. But if your penetration is coming from survival needs, so I am going to fuck over the world in order for me to survive better, which is predominantly what we still see out there in culture, then that dark masculine energy is rape and pillaging and justifying that in the name of its survival. Okay, Because that's not integrated with the light masculine. Dark masculine is just like every man for himself, dog eat dog world. You know, everybody could be like me, 
trickle-down effect. I'll just get the biggest and the most and penetrate the, the world the most with my energy, and then I will, and me and mine will be safe, and if the planet's destroyed, well, there'll be other planets. Dark masculine energy. Immature. Mature dark masculine energy integrated in with light masculine is very different, and it's one of the hardest energies to unpack. Light masculine can bring in your alignment, and that alignment is coming from cosmos, which is the biggest ecosystem. Okay, so you're naturally, when you're in your light masculine healthy alignment, connected with dark masculine, you are naturally, your purpose is integrated with the greater good of the whole. You don't have to philosophically decide whether it is, it is. The vibration is aligned. If you have just light masculine unintegrated, you can know all of this stuff and download it, but you can't bring it into your lower chakras. And so you have the shadow of the light masculine, which is all talk, all theory, all wonderful you know, experiences, but down deep, down in the realm of money and sex and everything else, impotence. No capacity to download and anchor and be what it is that they are talking about. So if you integrate that in the masculine, then your purpose is coming in not as an idea. Your purpose is coming in as vibration, of the energy of your soul, the purpose that brought you into incarnation, which is automatically aligned with the greater good. You don't need to have a philosophy of whether or not it's aligned. You don't need to do ethics and morals and everything else because it is aligned. You can feel it. You come online. You, you become aligned when you are vibrating with your soul purpose. If you integrate the dark masculine, you can now penetrate the world with your sole purpose. Instead of your cock being driven by your, your survival instincts from the base, your cock is an expression of your spiritual sword in the world. Your cock is an expression of your life purpose. You're not spending your energy of Mars going out and making money, raping the planet, so then you can one day go to a course and get your life purpose. Your life purpose is automatically going to support the ecosystem. So if you are vibrating that way, then your energy that goes out into the world, that goes out to try to earn a living, that goes out to penetrate others, that goes out sexually in a field and tries to, to decide who it wants to fuck, that's, a, that's going to be inherently aligned with your sole purpose. Your cock and your crown are one. Your balls are holding the seed of the purpose of you being in the, on the planet. So when you ejaculate into the world, you're ejaculating the essence of your purpose. Because these energies are connected. In the world, they're still very disconnected. So everybody has to work with the integration of their light masculine and dark masculine. And that's the sword. That's the sword of spirit that can drop all of the way down your spine and anchor and reclaim your sexual energies, Bring that power of your purpose down to your financial energies and to your base energies so that you can stand in the face of death if necessary or starvation or poverty or whatever and you're true to yourself. And that truth is what radiates into your environment and then generates, instead of being split between the dark masculine has to go earn a living and the light masculine is impotent but you know knows about the, the angels, now you're heaven and earth together. You're integrated with your God self and your devil self. 
and then you see that they're two parts of one whole that are designed to serve each other. Your dark masculine is no longer this bad energy that needs to be separated off from. It's the very energy that carries your light masculine into form. Okay, so light and dark masculine come together, integrated down the spine, vibrating your core being. So then the feminine. The feminine is the energy that connects and vibrates out. So if your, light mas if your masculine is this core, so here it's the pillar at the core of this place, the feminine is the field and is the love moving through the field and the energy moving through the field. So in Greece, this would be Venus. And Venus was dual. Her higher aspect, not better, but higher, was Venus Urania, or Aphrodite Urania. And remember I told her in Greek myth, she was born from the balls of Uranus. So she's her father's child. She came from the sky cosmos, and his testicles fell into the sea, and she arose as the goddess of sex and love and beauty. So the feminine in that mythology has a duality. The upward five-pointed star and the downward five-pointed star. Upward five-pointed star is Hesperus and the morning star. It's Venus you see at, at dawn. And the downward-pointed star is the, the Lucifer, is the falling star, is the, the, the Venus, the same planet that you see at dusk because it's always close to the sun. Okay, so what that turned into is the devil, the downward five-pointed star, and Lucifer, and that's Venus pandemonium. And she's also the one that falls in love with uh, Mars and produces Eros. So Eros and the devil and the dark and the repression, all part of the same story of the fall of the feminine that drops into matter. So just like, the down, just like Mars was seen eventually as the dark masculine that needs to be blocked, the, the dark feminine was that energy that goes into our sexuality and goes into our body. And if it is operating unconsciously, just like the dark masculine, it just wants to tear down. It wants to destroy. And it wants to lure you away from your purpose and so on, which is why the Christians tried to repress it. In its integrated way, it brings actually all of the resources you need for your purpose. When Mars and Venus are operating together and, and this energy is vibrating of your purpose into the world, Venus is the energy of magnetic attraction that she runs the energy through your fields according to your purpose and draws in exactly the materials and the resources that you need. And she also can relink you to exactly the right people that you need for fulfilling your purpose in the world. She's this energy of connection. So in the negative, she's a lure and the dark. In the, in the, when that energy is integrated, she allows your purpose to manifest in the world. And she creates relationship in the queendom so that that purpose is is actually serving through relationship with others. The light feminine, again, in her shadow, just like the light masculine shadow, is full of the, you know, she's the, the beauty queen that's like, I just want world peace. 
you know, like everybody should just be nice to each other. And, you know, she's got this general, you know, the, the genuine love and compassion which comes from the heights, but that it's disconnected from reality and the real world. Okay, so light feminine is often the one that gets dragged down into Hades by the dark masculine. She's like the nymph who's just too precious for this world and often hooks up with the dark masculine that, you know, like ends up raping her or in the Greek myth uh, because these energies are polarities. But they exist inside ourselves. And when we do not honor our light feminine, we lose hope. We lose the, we lose the, the delight. We lose the capacity to see the beauty in everything. We lose our compassion. We lose the, the, the downfalling grace from the higher spheres of cosmos. And we just accept that this is how it is. Just fucking, you know, give it up and do what you need to do. So she brings the delight and hope of the future. She's the child part that, yes, she may not, in her shadow, she may not have fully grown up yet. She hasn't produced three babies through her womb and, and decided, you know, that actually life is not all going to be an ecstatic childbirth. There's actually going to be some labor here, and at two in the morning it wasn't quite like the brochure. So she's, her princess has to ground. But when she's integrated with the dark feminine, those two energies together both can give everything back to Kuan Yin and the mother of compassion and know that everyone, even the starving children, the starving to death, there's some angel hovering over them. There is the world of grace and light and hope. And at the same time, she can get up at two in the morning and feed her child. She has enough power and passion to understand the mysteries of sexual manipulation and she has the capacity to work and use the world of form and bullshit in order to help fulfill purpose. So light and dark together are a beautiful integration, and each of us must do that. It's not just that women have to do it and men have to do this. Each of us has to do both. So when we start giving up the fantasy that we can play with another human being and they can hold that and we can hold that and together we'll be whole, when we realize that our work, even if we're in partnership, is to become whole ourselves, which means all four parts of these have to be healthy. They can't be running in their shadow. And we all have them. So yes, you might have a really healthy integrated masculine, but you could still have a very broken, hurt princess who's had no attention from you whatsoever because she's the opposite of what you feel like you used to need to be to be masculine. Or you could have a seductive witch in your shadow that's busy still you know, calling in and manipulating the world around you to get what you want so that you don't even have to own that you're doing that. So, and the same, you know, woman or anyone who feels that they are just living on their feminine, you know, they may have their shakti all figured out and the universe may be unfolding exactly how they need it, but it's normally guys that are paying the bills for that and it's normally that someone else is masculine that is actually showing up to support them and help them because their capacity to manipulate matter is so powerful, they can shakti the world into what they want, but do they have their own purpose? Like, do they have their own thing to snake around? Or are they going to go find somebody else who's standing and snake around him so that they can feel fulfilled? So if we don't have our own masculine, we don't have our own vibration of the unique thing that's brought us into the world. 
and the capacity to stand alone in our freedom regardless of what's happening around us. And if we don't have the feminine, then that standalone becomes isolated and brittle and shut off from the world because it doesn't have the magic of connection everywhere. So the way that plays out in our, um, in our chakra system, too, is between the sun and the moon, this marriage, Mercury and Venus are the two planets between the Earth and the sun, right? So... When they, and they're allocated to the crown. So this is Mercury. He's close to the sun. And then Venus rules the Arjuna center. So when Venus and Mercury are together, your crown and Arjuna are operating. Okay, so now you can bring down your purpose and you can awaken your vision. And you can use the hermaphrodite of the two sides of the consciousness. This is why this is the fusion of Hermes and Aphrodite to be awake as consciousness in your mind. So you don't have to. So so that power that you have of meditation, of being witness, of being a, being being the big picture of cosmos, awaken a human being starts to become stable. You've fused these two parts of your consciousness. But they also have their lower octaves. So Mercury also rules the base center. And Venus also rules the sacral center. And Mars rules the throat and sacral. So we're trying to create a union between these. So for example, if you're in the Egyptian Isis mysteries, you're probably raising this, linking the sacral serpent with your Ajna. Okay, you're using sexual energy to rise up and awaken this. And so you're linking these two so that they can be the energy of both Eros in the world and soul vision in the world working together. In the immature expression, it's like fantasy and pornography. You know, that capacity to link your awareness with your sexuality. So when we can link these two Venuses, these two Mercuries, and these two Mars. The Mars expression is like solar plexus war. You know, when you were talking today about, oh my God, it's dropping to my solar plexus. That when we do conscious war, part of the idea is that we are moving the energy of Mars so that we can integrate it to the heart. And why do we have to do that? Because it needs to be linked with the throat. And you might have noticed in your relationships and so on that conscious war may it links a feeling in your solar plexus with what's coming out of your mouth. Okay, so verbal abuse and emotional abuse, which can then lead into physical abuse, it's all part of Mars. It's part of the cycle of Mars. And if we just feel it and never say it, we can't integrate it in our heart. But if we just say it and we never feel it, we also can't integrate it. So what you're wanting to do with Mars is integrate solar plexus and throat so that you are able to clear it and share it and integrate it with your feelings and bring them to the heart. What you're trying to do with Arjuna Center and Sacral, really being able to work with your sexual energy and mystery and being able to clearly direct consciousness so that energy and thought are one. Everybody, you know... Every businessman that's sitting with his business plan and working through it is like developing this center. And every person who's using sex magic to bring in their Ferrari or whatever else is using this center, 
when you combine them together, you start to work with the power of consciousness and sex. But what does it serve? Who is it serving? Is it serving the ego or is it serving the soul? So that's the difference between black magic and white magic. White magic is the energy where those capacities that you have for working magic because you can operate these energies in the world is serving the collective good. And how do you know it's serving the collective good? Because through your light masculine is coming the vibration of purpose. And then the last one is the crown and the base. If you can link those two energies, which is your capacity to connect with cosmos and the capacity to connect with the earth, then you overcome the fear of death and open the middle channel of the heart. So these three circles of the heart are linked to this integration process that we're doing between masculine and feminine and between the sun and the moon. When we can bring them together, then we are not, we are not in the world. Like if we are still in one of these, we can't bring them together. If we are in the part that can bring them together, we're now the celebrant. We can see our masculine. We can see our feminine. We can see our sun, our consciousness. We can see our moon. And we can bring them together. And the experience of that is opening the void, the core of the heart, which is what brings in galactic chi. And it's this energy, this energy of spaciousness, this energy of the void, which is part of the new civilization, which is beyond the dual, beyond the dual world. And it's a particular experience, yes, because the void does come into matter, and when it comes into matter, it's experienced. So you can, you can experience your dark body. And what that feels like is the... Well, first I'll give you the two others, because you, you'll know them. The, the earth energy and the lunar energy is the energy of prana and vitality that's coming out of the earth, linked with our sexuality, which is the lunar energy. And that's the energy that, that you use if you are raising kundalini or if you're working with the rising power of the serpent or the dragon. That's the energy that vibrates and activates your energy bodies. Okay? It's linked to vitality and magnetism. You can also activate it through going to the gym and working the body and health and diet and so on so that your earth prana, your prana is active and vital. And actually quite a lot of sexuality is an exchange of that where people are actually harvesting from each other. You know, like plants have prana and, you know, like the, the eating of prana is how we survive. So this energy is stronger in some and not so strong in others, but it's the energy of the earth prana. And then there's the solar chi, which is on the planet. It's all of the, it's the sun hitting the heliosphere and producing all of this stuff. Inside ourselves, it's, the, it's consciousness as it comes into our light body. Activating and stimulating not just the erotic energy in the chakras, but the energy of transmission of our soul purpose. It's integrating our solar energy into matter. So a lot of Tantra is this integration of the sun and the moon, bringing these energies together. But then the dark body is that which is actually arising out of every atom. And it's also the energy coming from the center of the galaxy. So it's the void energy. It's not so much the vertical, it's coming through the core. 
And because the heart is the core of our system, it comes through the heart, but it also comes through the core of every atom, whether that's a human, whether it's a field like this, whether it's a country, whether it's a planet, whether it's a cosmos, what's emerging through the core, from the core, is operating through every core. It's not just coming from the core of the earth. Okay? And that produces the experience of space. It's like space becomes permeable because the same energy that's coming through the core of me is coming through the core of you, it's coming through every atom, it's coming through every idea. That energy is the dark energy, dark matter. And this isn't the dark of matter versus spirit. It's the dark of everything that spirit and matter is sitting in. It's a radiation of space through everything. So when you're working with that energy, you can bring the sun and moon together. And that energy is not something that you just have to contact inside yourself. It's trying to contact you. So in other words, on the planet at the time, it's that energy, it's the emergence of that energy that is driving evolution. It's what's forcing dualities to come together because it is the celebrant at the wedding, it is the energy behind duality. When it starts to emerge collectively in our collective consciousness, the experiences of driving all of our dualities together. And that driving of the dualities together is a sign that that energy is coming for you. And then all you really have to do on the other side of that is give your consent to it. Okay, so I'm offering myself on the altar of the experiment of this energy that's moving through me. If the byproduct is a deeper marriage of my dualities so I can be more free, great. And that's the consensual part of the process is to realize, yes, there's things that we can do and then there's things we can't do. The last thing that we can do is really just give our consent to the process happening to us. And it's not something that someone is making happen to you. The universe is doing it with humans and with the whole of the earth. So, questions just about the why we do the marriage, basically. The heart. Yeah. Well, um, there's different ways that you can understand them. One of the ways within the chakra system is the outer ring is ruled by Mars. So when you integrate your solar plexus in your throat, it's the personal part of the heart. We can actually have healthy relationships with people that we love and care about because our emotions and our throat are integrated into the heart. Uh, the transpersonal ring is the Ajna center and the sexual. So that's why when we really activate those energies, we start to become aware, much more aware of the transpersonal energies on the planet. And then the universal when level, you integrate. all of this is just the outer ring of the heart. Like the, the neck, if, if you get out of your chakra system and you center your attention in the higher realms, all of this then just becomes the outer ring of the heart. The middle ring of the heart is all of the solar energy, and the central ring of the heart is the galactic center. Okay, so everything is like spheres within spheres within spheres, like Russian dolls, and part of expanding consciousness is 
understanding above is below, that the mysteries of the chakra system or our nadis or of our toe are the same as the mysteries of cosmos. It's all in scale. And if we can understand one part of it, we can start to understand the whole. Because when you bring those two together, they're the deepest polarities of the chakra system. If you can hold these polarities together, then you open the central ring. And what, these, what that looks like in someone's life is the base center um, is the energy that has put you here to make sure you survive. Okay, so it's the energy that will come up primarily in life-death situations. It will make you, you know, leap out of a car before the car goes over the cliff. It will mean that you will fight and protect your family. or Like, it's the deep survival instinct. And up here has got access to your soul purpose. So the deepest split for people at a certain stage on the path is soul purpose versus survival. So this is Gandhi standing in front of the gun, or... John Lennon, or like, like that, those are the outer expressions of, am I able to stand in my purpose, even though it may mean my death? So then you have to manage your own base center. And most people can't manage their base center because their heart's not enough, their consciousness is not enough, only their sole purpose is strong enough to master the fear in the base center of not surviving. So, and, there's a, and then you would say in the initiation journeys that most people go through those stages of initiation gradually. That first of all, they integrate solar plexus and throat, then they integrate sacral and, and, um, and here, and then they start to be less interested in the sexual and that more interested in the dragon that lies underneath the serpent. They're more interested in that energy that runs up the spine without necessarily activating the... the erotic energy, and they're not so interested in philosophy and understanding anymore because they're, they're wanting the direct current of energy that's their purpose, that's a vibration. So most of us are all on that journey in different stages, and we can all help each other with that. Because each of us, if we are holding something for a new civilization, has to go in the world and stand alone, and the things that will make us fall are the same things that have always made us fall, either our need for... Uh, our self-actualization needs to belong, our sexual energy or our um, consciousness, or ultimately the power to stand in our sole purpose in the face of our own death. And the truth is that even though you, we may not all need to do that, you actually have to be willing to do that in order to not have to do that. Right? You actually have to have mastered it inside yourself so that the world doesn't give you that to help you master it. Remember I said Earth is a training ground for souls. It's a great school for souls. And the graduation for that school is when you can show up fully as who you are as a soul, regardless of the consequences, graduation day. Okay? Then you won't need to do all that journey all over again. But until we can then we are still locked somewhere in the world of duality. And actually, in the esoteric traditions, this is the symbol of the Earth. Um, 
the symbol of the earth, is the cross and the circle. And that's the Jesus story of coming and being crucified. Each of us has come, we're crucified already, and we are on the cross somewhere. So to get off the cross, you have to come back to your own center. And that center is never going to be the same as anyone else's center. and It's never going to look the same. But when you're in your center, you're no longer identified with any of these parts of you. You've strengthened them all so that they can integrate and marry. And then you've been able to step back off the cross. You can step onto the cross and play any of those roles, but your identity is no longer on it. You're not masculine, you're not feminine, you're not spiritual, you're not material. You are this mysterious, eternal energy that comes through all of that. So, shall we have a look at how that looks to us personally? Because it's more fun, really. And that is, each of us has these in our charts, right? And there is a certain point that we'll go into maybe next week or the week after when you can move from a geocentric chart to your helia. What does that mean? Your geocentric chart is when you are on the Earth, so we look out into cosmos, and the Earth is at the center, because we're on it. And what we see is we see the sun, and we see the stars, and we see the planets, and we see them going around on the ecliptic or the zodiac, but uh, we see it from the perspective of Earth. If you shifted to the sun and looked out, you would see a, a lot that's the same, but some things would be different. Now you would see the Earth, right? In the opposite place from where on the Earth you saw the sun. So now if you are a Leo sun, you're actually an Aquarius Earth. Does that make sense? <coughs> so when you finally got your sonship, you know who you are, you're actually the opposite. And when you can integrate the opposite, something inside you just goes, poof. <laughs> Right, because everything that you thought you were is now the opposite. So let's have a look at when that happens in the life. And you can do it with time as well, okay? because all of this is fractals. So in time, what happens is the soul comes into incarnation, the first seven years of life, what the Jesuits say, give me a child till he's seven and I'll give you the man. Why? Because in the first seven years is the fractal of the whole journey. So what happens to you in the first seven years of life is the soul comes in and it goes through the journey of integrating itself in matter. And of course, all of the little fuck-ups down there have long-lasting effects in your life, as we all know. And some of them are pre-verbal and really hard to get to. And your particular birth trauma is kind of the signature of your soul's arrival. So that kind of plays out. Like how many people here you know, were late for birth? Like they were, right? And, and and do you show up on time in the world? No, no. Right. Never. Never. So so you know these are deeply imprinted patterns, and that's why one of the things that will change the world is conscious parenting, conscious conception, bringing child children in in a place of full awareness and full celebration. Then those very deep um, traumas won't need workshops and shit to go through and heal. So, first seven years. These are all, again, number is the same as music, is the same as vibration, is what runs the universe. Okay, but nobody made this shit up. It's like what the universe is doing. 
Venus, as it goes around the sun with the Earth, creates a perfect five-pointed star every eight years. The vibration of number is, and music came from observing planetary cycles. So Uranus goes around once every 84 years. And 84 years these days is kind of like an incarnational cycle. Right? That's about how long most of us expect to live, about 84 years. And remember, Uranus was the original father. So when Uranus expresses, then your whole purpose for your incarnation expresses. The lightning strike of your knowledge at the core of your soul of why you're here is a Uranian expression. So that's an 84-year cycle. The very center of it is 42. So that's midlife crisis. That's when Uranus hits. That's the big hit in your life. Because it's the very center. Remember I said, what comes through the core of anything? Now this is an atom of time. An atom of time is 84 years, which is a Uranus cycle. The very center of it is where the void expresses. So that expresses at around 39 to 42, depending on retrograde planets and so on. Yeah, how many people do we have here in that stage of their life? 39 to 42. Okay, there we go. So you are our lightning rods. Like within the field, you're at that stage. And it said the mystery schools that are coming will mainly take people between 21 and 42. Because by 42, if you haven't been hit with the core of who you are and why you're here, it's probably not going to happen this life. Okay, so if you're on track, and we will need to teach this in our schools eventually, that you know people like Steiner and others have made attempts, but there is a whole wisdom of the evolution of soul in the developmental psyche of a human being that we've totally lost or haven't, disco haven't discovered yet, which is how to help the soul unfold at the right stage of evolution for that person. Mm -hmm. And 42 is the time... If left to no help, people go out, fuck their, cemetery, their, their secretaries, get a Ferrari, they you know, suddenly dump their relationships and, you know, because something inside them is like, this old identity, I'm done with. It was all prepared for this, and now this is arriving, and now everything that you thought you were has to be trashed. So that who you really are can emerge. But because we don't know this, we have just like 21, 21 is a huge move from the first three cycles of seven, which journeys through to the 28th set and return. It's a huge thing. Now what do we do? We give someone a yard glass and a, and a key because we, we somehow, and everyone gets pissed and, and then, you know, like, yay, now you've got the key to the house. It's like, now we have a mature human being going out in the world? Fuck, we don't. It's like, we, we, it's the same as our sexual education. We've lost the wisdom that we once had and we haven't downloaded it afresh yet about how to help souls go through these doorways which are important landing points in their life. So 42, midlife crisis, three cycles of 28 years. This is Saturn. Okay, remember Saturn chopped the balls off Uranus? So Saturn is a, a, goes around every 28 to 30 years and when you, in astrology you're called your Saturn return. So your first 28 years, you're developing your mind, emotions, um, body, personality, eros. At 28, it's time to either go to India or um, 
<laughs> you know, like have some, some crisis where your soul says, look, you've prepared your form, you've prepared your mind and emotion, however well you've done that. Now, this personality, this body-mind, it's time for the soul to emerge. These are supposed to be your soul years. These are your body-mind years. But what we've had is no soul initiation, like no sexual initiation, so body-minds have gone into old age. And there's still 80-year-olds running body-minds shit on the planet. And the planet cannot afford the resources to have body-minds aging and missing their soul awakening. So if the planet had to produce huge, major global crisis to help this happen, it fucking will. But we can help it happen in our own lives and in the lives of those around us just by even just remembering the cycles, remembering that we are resonant energy beings and in, in touch with a resonant universe. So 28, Saturn return. Why are you here? Okay, there should be workshops for just for Saturn return people. Like, let's help you discover now that you have developed these, these capacities what your life purpose is. In, you know, traditional unfolding, if you're kind of unfolding according to plan, which nobody is, but if you were, then 28 is about time, boom, um, download soul purpose. 33, the vision of that really kicks in. 33 is really important for lots of different reasons, not just because Jesus died of the 33 vertebrae, or it's an important time also in your life for unfoldment of your vision. By 35, you should be standing for it fully <laughs> in the ideal world. By the time you get to 42, that's a crisis because... You stand for it, you use up all of the resources you have as an emerging soul in the world. Like I'm awakening as a son at 28, I'm now standing in the world as that, I've got my vision, I know what I'm for, I'm burning up all of my fuel, and at 42 I hit the crisis of it's not enough. Love is not enough. Everything I have is not enough. Pouring everything through me is not enough. Crisis. Existential crisis. And then that's the dark night of the soul. That should be the very middle should be the, the time we all go into conscious dark night of the soul. And the dark night of the soul says, I take everything that I've developed and I put it on the altar and trust that it was all for something, that there is something deeper than all of this that's trying. It's not, I'm not failing. I'm not failing. I'm succeeding. I've come here to die so that something deeper in me can emerge. And, and, and you know, talk about womb time and time of the month and, and people taking their, their, their time because that's, that's when they should be listening to other worlds. Like It's all fucked up the way we run our society. At that period of time, people should be retiring for a period of a couple of years to listen deeply to what's emerging. And we all should be invested in that because what they will bring through is the future for us all. So it's fucked up. And of course, what happens is people often do leave their job and go on a wandering tour or whatever, but there's no support from our society for that. There's no recognition that actually this is what you're supposed to be doing. You have to fight free, and many people can't fight free. So we don't have a soul culture. When we do, that period of time will be really important. Then so is 49, because you're completing seven sevens, your soul work, if you access the void here. 
which is basically, I have my soul work, I'm doing it in the world, but it's not enough, I'm burning out, I don't know whether I can keep going or not. All of a sudden, void comes, space, I am limitless, eternal mystery, there, everything that I thought that I was doing is put in a huge perspective of, I'm already dead, there is nothing to lose, there is no, I'm now... Been, I've now got gasoline poured on my soul fire. Now the dark light from the center of the galaxy is shining through my sun, so my sun can just supernova with a power that it never had before. So the effortlessness of the soul journey starts to kick in then, or should start to kick in then, if we lived in a world of soul. 49, you should be starting to complete through to 56 seconds, second Saturn return. Now the void is calling more strongly. It's not like, let's just retire you into a, into a retirement home because, you know, your body-mind is past its use-by date. These are true elders, but elders aren't made just by people getting old. Elders are made by souls burning themselves up, supernovaing themselves, giving their gift to the world, giving their contribution to the whole, and then starting to collapse back into their black hole. But that black hole is not an invisibility. It's a presence. They're not shuffled off. They're the ones who are actually blessing the next generation of souls that are expanding and flowering in the world because they're transmitting the, the blessing of the nectar of the void. The harvest of all of their journey is now available to, to help burst other suns into, into, into life. This also should be like a, a holy time where they're held and they're supported to go on that journey to let go of what they're holding in the world as souls. And to actually start retreating from the world so that they can pour themselves through, through whole generations of others. So 56, second Saturn return, through to 70 is at the heart of the last cycle. And that, that's another important um, point in time. So maybe we could just for a moment um, see ourselves in time. Okay, so the youngest at that end and the oldest.